0: I don't care if it's quit a bad habit. I don't care if it's changed your lifestyle. I don't care what it is. I've had guys who I've trained who are 400 pounds and we've helped them lose 200 pounds. And it was in one moment where they looked in the mirror and they go, I will not be you anymore.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Anxious and Ambitious podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm on a mission to change the way that we think about anxiety. Oftentimes, it can feel like anxiety can get in the way of our ambitions, and I'm here to tell a different story. In each episode, we'll explore how we can manage our anxiety, heal our nervous system, and conquer our fears so we can shine as our most authentic self, go after our biggest dreams, and achieve our greatest ambitions. You'll hear stories from people who have been there themselves and strategies from experts who can help you thrive. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to the anxious and ambitious podcast today. I have the pleasure of being joined by Richard, AKA Rick Yee, the owner of the warrior's way mindset and the author of everything is a choice. Rick is a lot more than just your typical mindset coach. He goes beyond traditional coaching to create rapid transformation for his clients. And when Rick and I originally connected, I was just fascinated by his unique approach and understanding of mindset and mental health. And I knew I just had to invite him on the podcast. So Rick, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: It's an honor, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Fire away. I am ready. I am ready for the awesomeness. That is you fire off some questions. Let's do some stuff. Let's get into some real stuff that you want to get into. I'm ready.
1: Amazing. Yeah. So we're going to go really deep in this conversation. I want to keep it really value centered, but I'd love to start off. If you can just tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: All right. So um, I started a company called the warrior's way mindset simply because I've been working in this field now for almost a decade. And a lot of the conversations I started realizing that the, the more that I would get into what we did it wasn't about diagnosing but a lot more going in and helping people learn how to fight the things that they need to fight. And so we figured out the weaknesses to things like doubt and fear, and we started learning like what's the weak spot or how does it operate under, you know, some of the grieving systems we go through like anger and I usually help guys. Understand their anger so they can use it appropriately, and uh, especially with PTSD and things like this, with my soldiers and my guys who have gone through some really tough stuff, um, even my women too, like to be able to show them like you can actually control these parts. Um, I team up with other people because I fall more under cognitive behavior things, they do a lot more neuro linguistics, and they've taught me some pretty powerful skills in there too so a lot of really cool stuff that we've gone into to make it so we teach people how to fight out of hell i don't just diagnose i come and get you and then i teach you which things to fight on the way out watch out the distractions will come watch out excuses will get involved fear will be there and you have to face those fears and learn to fight through but i don't just teach you how to get out of one thing i teach you to get out of all the future fights too and we keep getting stronger and stronger and that's the warrior mentality that we have not about coping it's about being able to keep going every single time it gets tougher but the one thing i notice is as people level up each level brings a new devil and so you have to keep getting more training more training because there's only really two kinds of people either you're trained or untrained so we take damsels and turn them into warriors and we take guys who are lost and we help them be found and so that's a small tip of the iceberg version of what i do
1: Yeah, that's so awesome. And one of the things that I really love about what you do is how you're actually teaching people how to conquer these things themselves. You're not coming in like being some sort of guru or healer and trying to claim to, you know, heal these people, take away their anxiety, but you're teaching them actually how to conquer that fear. And I know as somebody who's dealt with anxiety, sometimes conquering fear and anxiety can feel tough, right? It can feel like that anxiety is conquering us. And so without, you know, talking about magic potions or tonics, how can we sort of understand this anxiety on a deeper level to help us beat it?
0: I love it. Okay. So first off, you took all my magic tonics off the table. So that's Mm -hmm. gone. So now I got to figure out how to really do this. I'm just (laughs) kidding. Okay. So first thing I have to do is I have people to realize there's not something wrong with them. Like people associate they have a disorder or something's wrong and they start acting accordingly. I have anxious attachment or anxious, um, you know, they start getting into these diagnoses they find on the online or WebMD or whatever. The thing is, is you have anxiety because you have a strength, not a weakness. It's not because you're weak. It's because you have an ability you don't have control of that is so powerful. Now, whenever I'm working with people who have high anxiety, they're usually able to do advanced forms of abstract thinking. This means they can create, with their high creativity, high imagination system, multiple futures. They can go into the future multiple times. I'm in the future. What could go wrong? This could happen. This could go wrong. This could happen. And they get overwhelmed with all of the abstract futures they've created. And there's a lot of variables in what could happen, which also makes it so like, I don't know if I'm really good at figuring out what I could do or not do. And they end up in a position with their power controlling them instead of them controlling their power. And with too many possibilities, what happens is paralysis by possibilities. Too many things could go wrong, so I'm not going to do anything. You know, and so fear will disguise itself as uh, safety and security or convenience, but really you'll be creating your own prison by just staying in your safe little place and not ever venturing out. But when you're in that place, not only are you blocking the bad things that could, but most likely never do happen that could go wrong, uh, but you're also blocking good opportunities. And this is why it feels like it's safety security, but you're really blocking both the bad and the good by doing nothing. You're staying in your prison. And so the idea behind anxiety first has to go like, well, is there something really wrong with me? Because people's belief systems have been told there's something wrong with me. I have an issue, I need medication, my brain is messed up. Well, here's how I test it with people because first you have to have a way to go like, is that real or is that not real? We have to challenge all thoughts. And so is it real or is it not real that I have something wrong? And this is where I asked you before and you know anybody who's listening to this, take this challenge. Think of a situation in the past that was going to give you anxiety that you had to overcome something difficult. Like I have to do a public speaking event or I'm going to ask somebody out because I really like them, but I'm nervous whether they'll reject me. Or, you know, I have to learn something that's very scary or overwhelming the first day of work or learning how to drive something with too many variables. And I'm really anxious about what could go wrong or even conflict. There's a person I got to talk to. I got to talk to my boss or my spouse or I already know this is going to go bad and those that the anxiety you have or the conversations you have before it happens, think of any of these moments, any one that happened before. And when you think about that moment now, do you still get anxiety? Like I know how the speech went and I nailed it. Or like I asked them out, they said, yeah, we're dating now or we're together. Or like, yeah, we had, I was worried about the conflict and it was actually a really cool conversation and we became better friends. You know, like now that you know how it ends, do you still have anxiety over that moment?
2: Mm.
0: And if the answer is, no, actually I'm okay. That doesn't, that doesn't bother me anymore. That's already passed. I already know what happens. That's where the cure is. The, the thing that I say with people with anxiety is you just don't know the answer yet. And so when you start opening up, and this is how fear magnified works, it's possible futures that most likely never happen when you start doing, let's use like a computer tab analogy. If you're opening up like computer tab, 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 and just have like 50 windows open. And each one is a possibility of something that could go wrong. And I don't have enough information for each one of these things to go wrong with the, you know, future variables of who's going to get involved, who says what, what if they say this. And I have all these windows open and none of them are complete. And none of them are certain. And all of them have something bad happening and I don't have an answer for them because there's future variables I don't have yet, which now gives me that whole feeling of I've got all these things open. I can't solve any of them, which is just reaffirming that I'm no good at solving these problems. I'm not doing anything. This sucks. I I don't even want to go. I don't want to deal with it. Like we created too many windows. There's too many things open at one time. And that's where that paralysis come in. So if you're looking at all of things this way, you're not going to be able to work through any of the issues because you're in make-believe for most of it. Now, here's a funny thing, Nicole. You want to laugh?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: all right. How many times have you had like these windows open? I have to have a conflict with somebody like your husband or, you know, a tough work situation or something. There's going to be, oh, this makes me so frustrated or I can't believe that happened. Or, you know, you're working through all these things and you're in this anger part of it and you're going through all of the fights. Like, well, if you say this, then I'm going to say this. Oh, you're going to say that to me. Oh, who are you talking to? Like you start getting into these, these tough guys talks in your head about all the things I'm going to say if you say this. Have you ever had like these fights in your head that could happen before you even get to that person?
1: Honestly, for me, I think it's more I'm definitely a conflict avoider. So oh. it would be a oh my gosh, this conflict can come up. How am I gonna diffuse it as opposed to a what am I gonna say to him?
0: <laughs> Perfect. Even just same thing. How am I gonna what am, if they say this, then I'll diffuse it this way. If they say this, then I'll try and say this. But what if they do this? And you ever get into some of your own arguments where you're like, oh my gosh, I hope they don't say that. I don't have anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Where like if they start screaming, well, I don't have a diffuse there oh no, if they start name calling, I don't have a diffuse there. Oh no. Totally. Maybe it turns into fight or flight or freeze or whatever your, your defense default is. Yeah. And so you're like, oh no, I sure hope it doesn't go this way. And then you may even get even more avoidant and try to pretend like everything's wrong. And then we get into the, are you okay? I'm fine. But you're not fine. (laughs) You're not fine. You know, you're not fine. I'm trying to avoid conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so the reason I bring this stuff up is because it's actually a little funny. If you think about all of the conversations that you're having, all of the avoidant things you're trying to avoid them from saying, who's making up what they're saying?
1: Mm, Me, of course, or the person who's thinking about
0: it. Yeah, so who are they arguing with?
1: Themselves.
0: Who's winning? (laughs) How's that going? (laughs) Because you still have all these feelings over the answers that you make up for somebody who's not there so you're actually fighting with you and getting emotional over fighting with yourself right that's actually a silly thing if you think about it for a second and so one of the ways that i would say to slow yourself down a little bit is if we have all 50 tabs open with all these possible things that could go wrong and we get overwhelmed with all the emotions from each one of these realities that we've created abstractly That like, I'm still having all these feelings for, I'm still feeling angry or hurt or sad or whatever the feelings that you have coming in. And you're like, slow down a second. Just take a look around you. Is any of what you're worried about happening right now? Just look, like take a look. Like I'm worried about something. You go like, hmm, no. (laughs) That's, none of that's actually happening right now. And this is where I try and teach people to get at least to the first part of being present in the present. Just have some presence in the present. Slow down for one second and realize that you're in the future because your ability, your creative thinking, your your um, imagination is so strong right now that you're in the future of what could go wrong. Just take a second to be present in the present and look around. Is that happening or not happening? Because before you start getting into panic attacks, before you start getting into like, oh God, this is gonna go so terrible. Like, look around for just a moment. Is it actually happening or you're just worried that it could? And that can give you at least an intro step to slow down. The next part would probably be reassurance. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Most people, especially my ladies, love reassurance. I want to feel safe, secure. I want to have reassurance. I want to know that I'm good. And we don't really do an inventory or an assessment of how well have I done in the past to be in this situation. Like, you know, we made it, we joked about it with each other and I said, what is the survival rate so far that you have out of all of the things you've ever been through? Mm-hmm. What's your survival rate right now?
1: Well, I'm here talking to you now. So hundred percent.
0: We're hundred, you're hundred percent victorious. You you ain't never died. You are the winner so far. You are doing it. You are doing the thing. So right now, you have a one hundred percent success rate. On no matter what life has thrown at you, you have survived it.
2: Mm.
0: So we look at some of these things that we're worried about happening, like a conversation, or you know, um, something, a rejection. You know, look at being embarrassed. You know, uh, public humiliation. We look at these things and we go, well, out of all the stuff you've ever been through. Do you think this is going to be the worst thing you've ever gone through? Especially compared to some of those really tough moments you've already overcome?
2: Mm. I don't
0: think this is going to be the one that gets you. I don't think this will be the ender right here. I think this is going to be a moment that you would now have these tools to be able to assess whether you can or can't survive it. So let's look at the tools. I've got four of them. I hope they're writing them down. First one for you, Nicole. Do you have problem-solving skills? Yes. Yes, you do. We got one of them. Okay. What about creative thinking? You're able to sometimes if it's, if it's a little crazy, I can get outside the box and find a solution.
1: Yes. And as you said, maybe a little too much creative thinking sometimes. Maybe.
0: Well, this is part of your powers, but you have the ability to find a way to do it. What about resourcefulness?
1: Yeah, I'd say I'm very resourceful.
0: Nice. What about support system? Do you have anybody you can lean on or talk to to even work things out?
1: Yes, I'm very blessed that way.
0: Awesome. So if you got any combination or any of these, most likely your skills are much higher than when you were younger mm-hmm. and for much tougher situations. And you have all these abilities to be able to go, I'm actually a little more curious what it is instead of afraid of what it is mm-hmm. because I can use my problem solving, my creative thinking, my resourcefulness and my support system to figure out how to get through whatever's going to happen. And so you hear the old saying about people who worry so much about what could happen if it actually does happen. Now you worry twice,
1: right? And oftentimes our worries are worse than the actual situation ends up being, anyways. Mm-hmm. So that's
0: that's very true. And so a lot of times you're having a lot more um, pain from the situation you made up than the reality.
1: Yes. Because it doesn't happen. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I can definitely relate to that. And I love how you're almost giving us this power around how you can say, I don't know what happens yet, but I have the strength. I have the resourcefulness. I have the support that no matter what happens, I'm confident in my ability to handle it.
0: Yeah. And if you, if you just have the awareness of those moments and give yourself the the presence in the present, just look around, is it happening? And if it did, if I used these tools, would I be okay? if you can slow it down a little bit. Now, obviously, some people who are still in a belief system that I am anxiety, Mm. if you still have a belief system around this, it's going to make you difficult to challenge that part. And that's where I help people work through it because sometimes the answers are not the solutions. So while you may understand that a Rubik's Cube solved is the same color on each side, once you have your Rubik's Cube, you're like, mine isn't doing it. Mine isn't doing it. Why isn't mine just doing it? And so being able to teach somebody how to solve it is more of where we get into and so while being able to practice, hey, you're in the moment right now. Hey, you're in this moment right now. Let's, let's, do this, let's do what we talk. Let's do our thing. Let's practice right now. And they'll go, okay, okay, okay. What did you say to do? Look around first. Is it happening? And they're like, hold on. I'm freaking out. Hold on. Okay, no, it's not actually happening. I'm like, good. We're already doing great. So the thing we're worried about isn't real. We're doing good already. Now, is there any way for the worst thing that got you something that you can be prepared for? Is there any way you can be like, I can be okay in this situation cause I know what to look for. Is there anything that you can do there? Like, well, not really. It'd just be an embarrassing moment or something. Okay, cool. Now we just work into confidence. or We work into problem solving or being creative or whatever the moment would be. And mm-hmm. when you start working with people on practicing presence in the present, um, it really slows it down. And even my uh, head coach for my women, um, she used to have paralyzing anxiety, just panic attacks. Couldn't like be done for the day. She'd be a wrap. And wow. uh, now she teaches this, no medication, no nothing. Like she's like, I have presence in the present and it makes it so it doesn't, this train doesn't get going so fast that I can't like slow it down a little bit. And that's a lot of times if you don't have the awareness that it's building up and we all know when it's building up. Everybody who's ever had like some tough anxiety moments that you can feel it, you know, when it's coming,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and so being able to go, whoa, 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 I got to pump the brakes. Let's do the practice and let's see if we can slow it down before I'm out of control. So it's a it's a sim, it's a simple answer but obviously simple and easy are not the same thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the present moment is your superpower when it comes to anxiety. And I think as ambitious women and anxious women, we have a lot of that time where we are living in the future, right? Thinking about these goals that we have and then thinking about all the possibilities. And of course, it's nice to say, oh, just come into the present moment and all of that will go away and look around you and feel, do you feel anything that's giving you anxiety? No. But then you say, well, in my body though, my heart's still racing. I'm still sweating. All of these things are still coming up. And so what are some tools that you use or maybe use with your clients to get through those tough feelings that we're feeling in the moment, even when we can't like logically talk ourselves out of it?
0: Yeah, like like I said, the, the first part of it is I have to remind you that it's not happening to you. It's because you have an ability to practice. And that means I actually train more through progress than management. Right. So it's not like you have to learn how to cope with or you learn how to deal with. It's like, no, no, no. Are you trained in this amazing ability that you have or not? And let's practice the end game training for this. If you really learn how to practice like you have advanced abstract thinking, you can look into the future and feel the feelings of things that aren't happening. That's amazing. If you just say it out loud, what an amazing gift you have. But if you don't have this under control, it turns into 50 tabs unsolved. Everything's going to go wrong. If you do it right, it's called clairvoyance. And what that means is I'm looking into the possible future and I get to live through and understand as much as I can, as far as I can in that moment, and then close the tab. Now I just learned something without having to go through it. Let's go through another future that could happen. If this happens, then I could have this. I would do this, if that happened, I would be prepared this way. All right, close it. All right, let's go into the next thing that could go wrong. And if you learn how to train that ability, now you've just lived through 50 scenarios without actually living through it and being as prepared as possible for like pretty much like, main three that most likely could happen without having anxiety and then you go back to curiosity i've gone through and learned a whole bunch from these possible futures because my abstract thinking went through everything based on my past experiences what has gone wrong before and what could go wrong based on what i know so now i'm as prepared as possible now i'm just curious which one it's going to be and that means you're able to go into the future and learn lessons without actually having to live through it and that's that's actually a pretty high level version of training that we would do for this. So I wouldn't say you have to manage, you have to cope, you have to learn how to deal. It's like, no, keep working that it's a strength, not a weakness. You are not weak. You are strong. You just have to practice using your ability. If you're able to speed up your heartbeat based on your thoughts, you're able to slow it down with your thoughts. You are that powerful.
1: You Mm -hmm. are
0: creating it. You can also create through training the way that you are able to control it. But it takes a lot of practice again that's the answer not the solution like you have to really do the work and right. that's where I, it takes me with uh, some high level people with that one probably within like it probably take me a good six months to a year of like real like we're practicing all the time. And when it comes up in real time, how do you get used to it? How do you practice it? How do you change it? How do you adapt? And it's rewiring your belief system around your identity as an anxious person to somebody who actually has a superpower that you're learning to control. Switch the belief system and now you become empowered and not, you know, pulled down or feeling like you're a victim or a damsel in any way.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. And the thing is, is that so many of us have gotten through all of these habits of going just, well, I'm anxious. So this is how it's going to go that that becomes our story. And this idea of creative imagination just really lights me up. I wish that I would have learned about it back when I was just little and first starting to feel anxious as like a tween young, young teenager because when I start first started feeling that way and having all of these future thoughts and being so caught up, right, in that anxiety, as a lot of us are, the first thing that happened to me is people said, well, you have anxiety. And so the story became, well, I have anxiety, so I'm not going to be able to do that because I have anxiety or, well, this is just the way it's going to be because I have anxiety, So I'd be curious to know what would happen if instead of telling kids, oh, well, that's happening because you have anxiety. It was, oh, well, you have a very creative imagination.
0: Yeah, and then we praise effort and not results, you know, and that helps kids a lot, too. And also, boys and girls have very different comparison curses that come on because where does your anxiety come from? Oftentimes, I got three girls. They're all teenagers. I know when the societal pressures start going like, you don't look like that, so you're not good enough, or you don't have that success, so you're not good enough, or you're not popular as this, so you're not good enough, and there's a comparison, there's always a judgment that's happening, and you feel like you're not enough because you're still developing. There's no way that you can compete with someone who's 18, you know, you're 14 and 18, this is senior, how do you, this is a different human level you're at a totally different spot yet somehow you're supposed to compete compare yeah. you're supposed to be like that you can't be something until you're there and so of course those curses will start getting laid in quickly and a lot of the women that i've worked with uh, those curses do start like pre-teen around teenage time when you start developing into like my womanhood and then you're always comparing yourself to others compare to her, compare to her. Do I look like this? Do I talk like this? Do I have popularity like this? Am I successful like this? Am I doing well in sports like this or academically? Like compare, 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 compare. Now boys have it, but it is in a different way. It's a little more competitive. But for females, it's like, man, how do I ever live up to this? And this starts getting into, you know, parts of denial that start to stack up. And that goes a little bit more into now you're living a lie you know, I have to wear certain makeup. I have to look a certain way. I have to get extensions or dress this way or have these outfits. And you start putting on masks and persona to try to emulate what you think is going to make you um, more accepted versus compared. And that Mm -hmm. starts getting into a whole nother level of I'm anxious now because I'm not living my authentic life. Now I don't know who I am. I'm in a changed state. And now these curses of I always have to try to be what other people would accept makes you almost avoid being authentic. And then when do you break this curse? When do you really challenge it? Because at some point that bill comes due for authenticity and you go, I have just spent 20 years living my life as a character, as a persona that I think other people would like more than me. And that imposter syndrome stuff starts to creep up or you just go even further and you start seeing people who go into augmenting themselves to try to make their look be what it is that they think other people like more and that's why plastic surgery is on a huge rise and all this stuff too you start seeing people changing themselves now there's no blame shame or judgment on it but it's understanding what are you trying to avoid having you know what fears of judgments or what ridicule or what rejection from being who you really are I don't like aging or whatever the thing is there's Fears that are coming up. There's, I don't, I'm not good enough. I don't, they won't like me for this. This is not going to be good. They're going to not talk to me anymore. If I start actually being me, that starts when you're young.
2: Mm. Like as soon as
0: you start getting into the game, you don't even want to get in the game yet. You're like, I just want to get through biology class. I don't even want to mess around with this stuff right now. And you start immediately getting compared to, um, you know, it gets even crazier depending on, you know, which side of the spectrum, you know, pretty girls get even like doubly compared because then they start comparing them to a global level of Instagram. Good luck. <laughs> now you're competing with like some model in Brazil or some like, you know, Russian queen or something. You're like, what the heck is that? I'm in high school. How am I supposed to compete with this? Like it's a really tough game out there right now. Take this, your are ambitious women, you're women starting businesses. You see how much effort does it take to be an entrepreneur? It is a rough game. It is only for warriors. And so you're out there doing battle every day. I've got to compete in a tough uh, environment with a a lot of competition and I've got to, you know, keep up the energy and I got to put in all this and I got to get this done and this done. And you're, you're trying to be that boss, babe, air quotes. And uh, all of this is happening while you're also trying to, you know, keep the household good. My relationship solid, take care of my kids. Like also work on like, you know, my own hobbies and refill my cup and, keep my fitness in check. And like, when do you have the time to be this? And you start scrolling and see more comparisons of some super mom with their kids who have all of the, everybody's wearing red flannel and a pumpkin patch and everyone's smiling perfectly. And you're like, that's not my house. Hmm. I'm not that. And so where's the anxiety come from? Look at all these comparisons that are coming in. Look at all of them. There's so much going on. And then take on top of that. Someone says, wow, if you feel that way, I'm going to diagnose you that you have anxiety. And you're like, oh, shoot. So that's how I handle things? That's how you handle things. You handle it because you have anxiety. And you start subconsciously acting accordingly. Yeah. Now, listen, I just ran out a little rant there. But I'm just saying, like, it's, it's all in there where these things start stacking up, stacking up, stacking up. And nobody's teaching you how to unstack.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so true though. And I love this connection that you've made between comparison and anxiety. And I think it keeps a lot of us stuck. I mean, something even I've been going through recently has just been figuring out who am I, who am I showing up as I've done all of these different things in my life. And when you have that comparison come in, you see people on social media, well, they're a dating expert. They're this expert. What am I, who am I going to show up? You know, who is to follow me, who would want to listen or follow. Right. And so I think a lot of that comes back down to that comparison. And I think it's interesting that you mentioned it's a curse. With regards to women are there any cur- other curses that you find are common to women that also impact anxiety
0: um just as as far as just for what i've seen for men and women especially in the grieving system um most men fall under anger as one of their main curses um it's the only reaction that they're able to have to still get a, even a mild amount of respect from even other men so like they can't be too pathetic they can't be too sappy they can't be too small or too timid like usually anger will still get some form of respect even though it's a separator and it starts pushing everyone away which it's not what they want either so it's a gamble but anger usually is where guys fall. women across the board, almost every woman that I've worked with has a curse that's um, founded in denial. Like, Mm. it's a it's a route of, um, like you said, Who am I? Who am I? It's in there, we're like, I've had to be what, for so long, that I don't know who I even am. Mm. And what is it? What's the answer? Who have you been? What life have you been living as? You know and you start looking at the things that are meant to and i've seen them use clever words to disguise denial like um you know uh excess accessories or accentuate um so i'm going to change myself in some way like big fake eyelashes hair extensions, high heels, push-up bra, those, the booty shorts that go into your butt or whatever it is, something to change the way that you look or an appearance, uh, some kind of a waist trainer and big fake fingernails. And then you get into augmentation, boob jobs and lips fuller and collagens, and you start getting to all the things you're changing about yourself. And then if you start taking a lot of that stuff away, like, who did you become or what are you, you know? And so I would almost make the joke, you know, as far as your authentic self, are you really being you? If it was the other way around and like, let's say two people meet like in whatever, it doesn't have to be a bar or whatever. Let's say two people meet and they coffee and it's going great. And she's got her high heels and the right pants on that, make her butt look just right and then the waist trainer and the push-up bra and the fake nails and the big eyelashes and the contouring that changes her face completely and Mm -hmm. fake hair and all this stuff and he's in there he's looking 6'2 and he's buff and muscular and you know he's he's looking like he's got his stuff together he's dressed real well and all these things and then you guys finally say you know what i want to take this to the next level at some point and so you guys end up in a situation where you guys are like let's Let's spend the night and you're going to see me without all of it on.
2: Mm.
0: Well, let's just say the female, she's taken off her high heels. So now she's way shorter. And then all the things that hold everything where they were supposed to be in that outfit. Don't do that anymore. And then now we don't have, those aren't real nails. The eyelashes come off. The contour is now a completely different human that comes out. The hair is shorter. Everything's different. That's a different person in every way. Let's say he does that too. He's, he's wearing four inch like shoes and he takes all of his muscle suit off and he's got no muscles anymore. And now he's like, he's way shorter than you and has no muscles. And he actually, you know, he's like, this was just a rented suit. I don't even have any money. Like everything about him is totally different. You're like, what? He takes his hair off. Like it's all gone. He just takes that off for you. You're like, okay, who were we and who were we pretending to be? Like, what was that? And that's where it gets into the denial aspect of your authenticity. Who are you for real? If you have to change yourself this much to be approved of or to be desired or to be chosen, when it comes time to really be you, what's the judgment that's going to show up? What's the fear? You know, what's what's the uh, rejection going to look like if you're really, really you? And mm-hmm. if you're looking in the mirror and you go, I don't like how you look without, and then insert any answer, makeup, without lipstick, without eyelashes, without... You know this certain outfit without this kind of thing if you don't like how you look that's a big part of what what mask are you wearing then to make it so you like yourself
1: Mm. and what mask yeah sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but like what mask are you wearing to be accepted is really what it comes down to right
0: yeah the this is this is going to sidebar a little bit so (laughs) in any case um one of the things that's uh funny is i gonna this is gonna be a fun segue for you this is a video that hit millions of views which was just a funny coffee conversation but um was the th- like the three things that like men and women would need mm. and guys are so much simpler the guys one blew up because it's way more fun than the girls ones so the guys are hungry horny appreciation confirmed by tons of dudes they're like we're so simple and the big one is obviously appreciate your guy honor your guy respect your guy that's obviously the main category but Hungry horny will make him a little bit of an angry dude. So those are taken care of. He's a lot easier to deal with. If you want to have a real conversation, do it after those things and it's easier talk. <laughs> Any case, appreciation is their big thing and that seems to wane. For women, less exciting. It's reassurance, safety, security in all categories like reassurance. Are you my safe place? All that stuff. But then acceptance, like you said, is the second one. Acceptance is ironic because you want to be chosen by a man, but acceptance generally comes more from other women. More judgments come woman to woman than it does guy to woman. And people would argue, no, it doesn't, no, it doesn't. Most of the curses I have to break with my women came from moms. You're looking fat, you're looking skinny, you need to do this, you need to look like that. A lot of it came from females in their lives, aunts, grandmas, you know, best friends comparing women to women. And so when I have women who are like, I'm a little thicker, I gained a little weight, they'll be like, my mom says that dress will look better because it's got a stomach tie. The tie goes around. She said it'll look good when you lose 20 pounds but the guys that are with her is like, I'm down with the thickness. I love how you look. I do not want to change this. I'm not trying to get you to change that or lose 20 pounds. I love the way that you look, but is the women to women curse for acceptance that now you're trying to be the size zero thing. I got over 200 guys straight up in these groups, like just my hardcore guys. And I asked them, how many of you, it's a non-negotiable that she's a size zero. I had zero guys. They're like, we don't care. We don't, not, none of us care about that. We don't care about that at all.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: the women, like, all of it came from, you know, the influences outside, women to women, Cosmo magazine to social media to mom says you have to be. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is very interesting that my women would keep saying it came from women more than guys. Now, is it an absolute? No, I'm not saying always. There are some dudes who are just they're not in the right mindset or never had a good dude in their life to show them how to be respectful. So there's, that exists, but yeah. it's a minority, but people are louder about the minorities than they are about the majority. Cause most guys are like, I would never, mm. most would, most wouldn't, you know, and I'm just saying the unhealthy ones are the ones that people remember. So the second one is appreciation. The last one gets into hypergamy and this turns into like, how do you choose a mate? And it's been used in a toxic way these days where it's not actually as toxic as some of the videos that you'll see guys explain it as. Um, There is a biological reason why hypergamy exists. How do you choose the best mate for your offspring? Like there's a real system in there. It's through nature too. There's mating calls, there's mating dances. There's things that go like, how do I choose the best mate? Women have that. And that's what hypergamy is meant to be. It's just being used in a very toxic way these days. But it's actually not meant to be a bad thing. It's meant to be, how do I find the best person that I can be with? Mm. Well, that's a good system. That's why women's systems are far more complicated than guy's systems. We're a lot more shapes, symmetry, smells. We're very basic. Mm. Women have to have a whole safety security system. Are you actually a good protector provider? Could you be a good father? Are you going to be a good person for all these different factors? Can you keep us financially okay? Can you keep us physically okay? Are you going to be energetic enough to play with the kids or are you just not fit enough to do so like there's a lot of factors
2: mm.
0: and guys are just like i like how your shape is <laughs> that's why <laughs> guys can have love at first sight but it's more rare for women so those are the three things if you look at the hungry hearty appreciation for guys but for women it's reassurance acceptance mostly by women and then uh, hypergamy it's just the way that i choose a mate Hmm. or, you know, equal and up is generally how our our women will choose, which is why guys are trying to work their way up because now women are also building themselves up to be, I've got my stuff to hear and I need somebody who at least equally has their stuff together. Dating down for women tough. I don't know if you've ever had that conversation where like I'm at this level and I'm dating a guy who's like not ambitious, has no goals, just stays at home all day. And how does that misalign and how hard is that for them?
1: Right, because that actually could bring a lot of ambitious women a feeling of anxiety, like, okay, how is my man supposed to care for me? And what, where am I going to get this safety from, that reassurance, like you said?
0: It's out the window. It's gone. Because now you don't have that. And, like, there is an actual thing This is where I would like to hear. Like, uh, it's not all. Um, even my girls, um, you know, grew up without a father. So she had to be so independent to that, that curse where uh, you see people go, like, yours is mine and mine is mine. Hmm like they don't share. Well, she's able to go like, no, it's fine. You know, I'll take care of this. You take care of that. And there's no arguments, but I see a lot of times guys are like, if I help boost her up and she levels herself up, she got her nursing degree or started her business or became an attorney or whatever it is. But I stayed home with the kids. I have got so many guys going, I did everything right. I did everything right. And then now she's dating the the jerk at the office like the big Mm -hmm. alpha jerk guy or whatever at the office, the thing that she said she'd never do, I helped her get to where she is. And now that she's there, she looks down on me. These guys sleep in separate bedrooms. And they're like, what happened? I did everything they said was going to work. But they didn't understand the hypergamy aspect that they have to date equal and up. So you have to work on yourself too at the same time. So you two are at least at that level, like we're growing together. But if you're only pushing one person up, and you push her out of your league, there is a disconnect there. Again, anybody who's not falling into this, you fall into the minority. This happens a majority of the time. But there's a thing in there that's, that's a, it's a struggle and it does create anxiety a lot. I'm not matching up with my fullest potential. And if you're winging up next to your partner and going, I do not think this is the best I can do, tell me that doesn't give you anxiety. Right. When should a woman settle?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. I'm not really sure that I have the answer to that, to be honest. <laughs>
0: but well, it's a subjective answer anyway. So yeah. you might be all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. This brings up so much for me. But something that's really coming to mind is that a lot of these things that we do to feel accepted, to feel reassured, to feel like we're on the same level as our partner. It actually takes us outside of ourselves, right? Like how you said, oh, I'm going to get this title. Or I'm going to do my hair, or the eyelashes, the nails, the height, the fitness, whatever it may be. And so for all of this time, we're stacking on all of these different layers to be accepted, to be loved. And then it stops us from accepting our authentic selves, which is like, really ironic. And I think this is why you see a lot of the time you hear, I mean, I hear all the time, I'm seeing people on Instagram, on social media, gorgeous women getting into relationships and then they can't experience pleasure. Or they don't feel fully connected to their partner and they wonder why. But it's like, well, all these layers of masks. So, in your life and like in your clients' lives, what are some, I guess, steps that you take to shed some of those layers and get back to the authenticity?
0: Well, I'm gonna tell you right now. The answer to that is is you got to have people who know how to challenge you in the way to find out whether it's true or not. And even in my first five weeks of working with people, we just really break down who are you for real. Most of the time, when I do like a value assessment for people, like what are your top two values? Give me your top ten. Break it down to your top five, and then what are your top twos? Um, I don't think ever any male or female has ever gotten it right. We have things that we want to have. But we don't understand what our true values are. But if you don't know yourself, how do you create boundaries? How do you, you know, be authentic? How do you uh, have non-negotiables? How do you make it so you can set a standard that you know you won't cross, that people won't take advantage of you if you don't know who that is? And so you made a very good point. If you're wearing this mask and you're being somebody else, you're a- altering yourself in some way, who is getting all the acceptance? Mm-hmm. Who, which identity is getting the approval? Who is it? If you're pretending to be a different character, so people like you and it works, which is the worst thing that can happen is that it works. You have to be something you're not. And that imaginary version of you, that fake persona, that thing that's not you is getting all the glory. Mm -hmm. When does that start to come to a head inside of you? When does that start to go like, I'm pretending to be someone else and people love me for it. Well, who, if I tried to really be myself and say my real opinion, will I still get love? Right. And I'm scared I won't. Mm-hmm. I'm scared I'll get kicked out of the group. I'm scared I'll be exiled.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If I'm really me, would I be loved? I have to keep trying to be this character. I have to keep up the, the appearance. And, you know, tell me this, riddle me this, ladies. I know my guys. They, uh, oh, okay, oh. Let me remind this myself, I got a funny thing for you. <clears throat> Anyways, I don't want to get sidetracked. Um, when we're talking about like our, our guys, when they watch their girls go out with their girls is when they get the most dressed up.
2: Mm. <laughs>
0: true or untrue? You, you're, you're in women's circles. You see when like we're going to go out with the other girls, it's like they're dressed up more for the other girls than they are for guys.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that that's true. A lot of the time we even get ready together, you know, clan outfits. It's not uncommon for girls to be messaging each other. Are we wearing skirts today or are we wearing pants? Because you don't want to be the odd one out.
0: (laughs) So who are you getting dressed for? Who are you trying to get the approval from? Mm. You know, and so if you're trying to make sure you're not the odd one out, you're trying to get the approval of who? And there may be a matriarch in the group and some big personality or somebody's like, we're all wearing pants. That's what we're doing. You're like, all right. You know, like you don't want conflict, so you're not going to get into it. You're like, pants it is, I got cute pants, you know, like, you'll find a way to make it work for you. Um, But then who's getting the acceptance? Mm
2: -hmm. Now,
0: this is where it gets a little funnier. I got a funny one. Um, My girls asked me, we did a, a little bit of an experiment, and I crossed it between, you know, both groups, same question. They said, like, if we're supposed to be able to be authentic, especially with our partners, well, when I'm not dressed up at all, when I'm just wearing my pajamas, no makeup around the house, he doesn't seem to give me as much praise. Doesn't seem to like be as excited for like, I don't get as much compliments when I'm doing that. But if I dress up and I am dressed to the nines and I do all the eyelashes and nails and makeup and the nice dress and the heels, he gives me a lot of compliments. I look so beautiful. I look so beautiful. So which version of myself can I be with him? It feels like being me doesn't get as many compliments as when I get dressed up. Mm-hmm. I said, fair enough. One has effort. One has no effort, of course. I can see how that's not going to get as much appreciation and how the effort looks like that's where you should spend your time, right? Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going I'm to give you the guy's answer. Go the other way with it. If you're not getting enough, you don't feel appreciated. You don't feel like you're getting enough attention. Instead of wearing just the pajamas and dressing down like that, take the shirt off. I bet you he starts appreciating you now. You want a compliment, lose the clothes. I bet you start getting compliments immediately. I ask my guys, between the three things, you want her naked, do you want her in her pajamas, or do you want her dressed up to the nines? In what order would you say is your favorite? They're like, oh, naked for sure, then dressed up, then pajamas. I'm like, if you want to win, it's the other direction. You don't have to get dressed up. Go the other way, and you'll watch compliments go through the roof. That was like Mm -hmm. the men to women answers. It's not do more. It's just what did you work for that you wanted so much? And then when you get that, that's a victory. How many days do you have to go on to go? I want to see your Nick. Mm. Yeah, you, three, four, five. How long are you guys together before you get to that point where you're like, I think that is time we go ahead and uh, show each other our goodies here? And you're like, yes, worked <laughs> my butt off for this. So that is a bigger victory than did you spend two hours getting dressed up. Just lose a shirt, you'll get way more victories. That's a that's guy's answer. They're like, this is what I love how my woman looks. I love how she looks. I like it when she's really her. And that's authentic. That's yeah. real you. You don't get to fake that. You, I got nothing going on. This is real me. And you'll get more compliments for that. Mm. I'll wow. put that out there. I'm just leaving it there. That was where the survey ended for like both sides. <laughs>
1: No, that's super interesting. And it actually reminds me of, you know, I think in any area of life, whether we're trying to be accepted in our sexual relationship, accepted in the workplace, we always think we need more, 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 right? If you're an ambitious woman, you probably think, oh, I need that next certification. I need to upgrade my master's to my PhD. And I got to, you know, have all these things lined up. I got to have the more expensive blazer. I'll stand out more. But then it actually takes us away from helping people to know who we are authentically. But then again, this is just how our world is structured a lot of the time. And everybody out here, for the most part, is playing some sort of a persona, the persona that they chose to play. And you hear all the time in the, you know, boss babe or whatever space that fake it till you make it, right? That's like one of the most common things. And so I'd be curious to hear what you have to say to that advice.
0: When you see people fake it till you make it, it's ironic how right now there's so much starvation for authenticity. How many people play characters for their YouTube channel or for what they do? They walk in with a, with a different persona. And I've also seen too, um, cause I give credit to the, the struggles that women have these days. Like there's not a lot of role models to show how to be a proper leader as a female, you guys are in the first generations doing it. Like it just wasn't really an option until like, you know, maybe some of our mothers or grandmothers who just had full freedom to go. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do a thing. This just really wasn't a common practice. And so now who are you, who's teaching you? Who's your mentor? How do you find that, like they say work-life balance, but really an integration where you don't have to be like in work mode and then switch to mom mode or switch to relationship mode. But like I have seen, and this is no exaggeration, almost completely different personality types. Work mode is like no empathy. There's a task to get done. We're crushing it right now. Dog eat dog, I'm gonna get it done. Like go to level 10 and like, it's hard. And like a lot of guys, it's not because they're intimidated, but just like, what a, what a not fun personality to be around, you know, and they want like somebody to be nice <laughs> be at least mildly compassionate, be nurturing, be building and real alphas, real alphas build and nurture and support. But you see people have to be dog eat dog and you know, one personality to come home and they have to be something totally different the relationship or the mother or whatever it is, is a totally different thing than I'm just going to dog eat dog. I'm going to compete and crush and get it and go after it. That's one personality type. And you come home and you're like, what do you need, hon? I'll take care of it. I got you. Oh, you okay? How was school? Like totally different person. Mm-hmm. And I've actually seen in real time, like, while even just having conversations with women, I, I, I do art. And so I was drawing. I remember this was a long time ago. We were at like a St. Patrick's day and I was just, it was a random person. I didn't know the girl, but people were coming up, and I was taking a marker and drawing fake tattoos on them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm doing this fake tattoo on this girl's arm, and I'm like, "What do you do? Tell me your story." And you know, whatever. And she's like, "I do this type of job, which was like recruiting in some business." And I was like, "Tell me about that." And I watched her, and then no kidding, go from like fun, let's have a good time, St. Patrick's Day person to like <laughs> business mode. And it was just like, "Do you got this? You do this? You do this? Are you this? Are you a job hopper? Are you do this thing? You do that thing? You do this?" And I was like, "What the heck just happened?" Like it was like a Sybil moment. I just watched a different personality take over. Mm. Like, I'm like, who are you? What happened to the other person? But it was such a switch from business mode to like being themselves mode or being able to be like comfortable in their skin mode. It was a different, different person. And so it is very difficult for that. It's I think it's very difficult for people to be able to differentiate that at this time because women, I would say, who's your mentor? You guys are paving the way. You're, you're the groundbreakers. You're the ones who have to figure out how do I integrate so I can still be authentic and not have to create a persona. How can I be loving, nurturing, and caring, but not feel like I'm being uh, belittled because I'm a woman? Well, that's right. not. No, that's, that's only because you're trying to overpower or push on. Most of the guys I know are not like that.
1: So something that comes up for me when you're talking about all this is like, this is really the first time that women are playing two roles, right? We have to be in their masculine energy, in this ambitious world, being business people, or at least this is what a lot of us think, because this is what's been modeled for us. And then the feminine, more nurturing, caring energy, it can be sometimes harder to turn back on, especially if you are that ambitious woman. And I think a lot of the time, this is what makes it so difficult to connect with the opposite sex. So I think like this idea of finding that balance, where can you show up in your feminine energy and also honor that masculine side is going to help a lot with being able to actually show up as your authentic self instead of just how can I put on this masculine mask that's going to make me be perceived as someone who's powerful, someone who's successful.
0: I'm going to take it a totally different direction. Mm. Here's the reason why is because, um, I've, I've been struggling with people doing this masculine feminine energy thing for a while because it seems inauthentic. Now, Mm. um, um, I've also had people who are polarization coaches that I've actually talked to and had on our shows and people that we've gotten to work with. And so, um, when we got into it, like the ideas of masculine and feminine energy, there is a a, a part of it that may fall into like men do certain behaviors, women do certain behaviors and there is truth to it. But as far as, um, Like some of the things that are out there, it gets really, really confusing. So this was one of the things that they showed me on this one. It's a find the balance between feminine energy, masculine energy. Um, It explains natural feminine, natural masculine, wounded feminine, wounded masculine. This is just one of the pieces of information that are out there. And when I saw this, I immediately don't, I don't identify with this at all. I don't think this is right because the polarization that happens is creating, we've talked about before, behaviors that change the way you feel about yourself. But like, look at some of the words. Let's take some of the things in natural masculine. Let's go into like the masculine energy here, right? Hmm. All right. Words like confidence, inner strength, responsibility, focus, support. Let's go into boundaries, you know, courage, discipline. Are those things that women can do?
1: Yeah, for I sure. Mean,
0: those sound like things. I know women can totally do those. They're not being masculine if they have focus. <laughs> <laughs> if you're confident, it's not because you're being masculine. It's because you believe in yourself. You don't have to be masculine to go, I'm confident in who I am. In mm-hmm. fact, it would almost be more feminine to stay confident in who you are. You don't. It's not a masculine trait. Let's go to the feminine side what about understanding? What about um, flow? What about uh, being able to be emotional or sensitive? What about kindness, nurturing, creative, you know, are, are these guys can't
2: do? Yeah, of course. Again,
0: I don't identify with this stuff because these are just human things. This isn't you're being feminine or masculine, it's just are you being authentic with you, and we all have different strengths and when I train with people it's different warrior types and your strengths. Fulfill this whole area of just awesome stuff and this person's strengths fills this whole areas of awesome stuff, but if I use something like this. It starts creating doubt inside of well am I really if i'm if i'm highly creative as a male does that mean i'm feminine. Well, wait a second. This chart says so. So maybe my creativity makes me more feminine. And then they start, and my really, maybe I'm, maybe I'm more feminine than masculine, because I'm highly creative. I love to do art, or I love to, you know, build things. Maybe that's, maybe that's a feminine thing that I do. Well, this chart makes you feel like that. What about? Let's go into wounded feminine or wounded masculine. Have you ever met guys who are manipulators? Mm-hmm. You ever met anybody who's got victim mentality or neediness? Oh, are they being wounded feminines? Or that's just an unhealthy dude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's unhealthy behavior on both sides. You know, let's get into abuse of power. You ever seen women who abuse power?
1: Right. This is is
0: the first time they've ever had this much power. And I see it abused constantly. This is why, you know, there's a lot of debate in the psychology field right now, whether like, you know, the, the men and women working together, together in the workplace is actually working or does it create more problems than solutions? Mm -hmm. But a lot of the people I know, even to women, the competition that's there, I have seen women with power destroy Mm -hmm. reputations and and just annihilate somebody at work. So is this only a masculine thing? Mm -hmm. Both can do this. (laughs) This is just a human thing. And so I struggle with the masculine feminine versus the authenticity aspect of No, is this the trait that you have as you? Mm. Does it match who you want to be? Does it feel right in your skin to do it this way? And this chart is very confusing for you to figure you out because if you do have some traits that are a positive thing but it falls under a, a, a polarization or a judgment that doesn't match you and you feel like you feel bad for having something that's actually very positive, I don't think that that's a helpful comparison. Right. It seems like it takes away inauthenticity when you start going, I have to compare myself of, am I, I've got four traits for feminine. I guess maybe I'm a feminine dude. <laughs> be like, no, you're just you. And that's okay. Yeah. Be okay being you. If you're creative, be creative. You're not being feminine. You're being creative. Yeah. You know, see, if you're confident, you're not being masculine. You're being confident.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I totally understand what you see there and that there is, I mean, we go on both sides of the coin but how i look at this is that we all have the masculine and the feminine energy within us kind of like yin and yang we just use the terms masculine and feminine we don't need to um so it's not necessarily that okay only women can have the feminine ones and if you are a man who has the feminine characteristics then you're a woman but for me it's more okay well which of these traits if you look at that feminine masculine chart which of these traits are associated with success traditionally is it is it nurturing is it caring is it flow is it emotions no right it's usually focus discipline like
0: maybe though maybe mm. i'm going to take it just a slightly different way and let's see mm. so one of the things when i teach my men about real alphas real alphas build real alphas, nurture real alphas, do constructive things for their pack. They're good pack leaders. And so this can be male or female because in wolves, sometimes it's often females are the pack leader or the alpha, you know, it happens. The matriarchs happen, but Mm -hmm. I teach guys about gorillas. When you think about a silverback gorilla, what a powerful animal, it doesn't matter how strong a guy is a silverback will whoop you around. It'll kick your ass. Like that's a powerful animal. Yeah. And you would think this is a thing that's running around like, oh, and like just smash, smash, smash. Don't mess with me. I'm the biggest, I'm the strongest. But when they studied silverback gorillas, they found that like that being aggressive or protective state that usually you'd see when they're filming because there's danger coming to the pack. That happens like one to 2% of the time. And like a high 90 percent of what the alpha or the apex you know gorilla would do is encouragement and safety and nurture and so like the little ones would be like look what i can do look what i can do And you see and be like yeah good job like like cheering on little guys and then if one of them is sad you see like the silverback will hold them you know and, and keep them like it's okay you know and You'll see, like, if something's going to try to come in, the silverback would then go into a protection mode, but not to try and be over-dominant, but that's because his strength is needed to keep his pack safe. Most of what the gorilla does, though, is build up, nurture, protect, you know, be able to make sure, like, they're doing better with him around. He's not smashing his pack to be the dominant one. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would argue, like, the silverback gorilla, powerful pack leader, Most of it is tenderness, kindness, nurturing, sensitivity, understanding, love. Is a silverback just a feminine creature? No, it's a highly successful alpha. Mm -hmm. Highly successful being able to build up and nurture. And good leaders are pulling people up. Not just being like, look at my name tag, you stay where you're at this is this would fall under like the wounded aspect of things. Totally. And so that wouldn't be a good leader, but a real leader is the one that pulls people up and builds people. Mm
1: -hmm. And that would
0: fall more under what would seem like feminine traits, vulnerability. People think vulnerability is weakness. Vulnerability is courage. Mm -hmm. You have to face a part of yourself that you're worried about having ridicule to be able to say, I'm going to put myself out there like this is scary. I believe in you. I love you. I'm proud of you. These words take vulnerability because it can be rejected. It's words of affirmation. If it's not returned, it feels like it hurts. And I've seen guy after guy who's like, I don't know. I don't say those things. It just hurts when people just reject it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, are they being masculine? If they say I'm proud of you, that's sensitive. That's kind, but that's a good leader. Mm-hmm. And so does it doesn't necessarily have to fall under masculine traits to be a successful alpha. I, as an alpha, and I have hundreds of people who follow me, ride or die. I've gone into battle with my men and women. They know I show up for them, but I don't show up being I'm the biggest, I'm the baddest because I want them to be just as strong as me. Because when we lock shields and go into whatever life brings at us, Like, I want you to be just as strong, if not stronger, because you watch my side, I watch yours. And it does me no justice to make you weaker than me so I can be the alpha. Mm -hmm. Real alphas build. And so those behaviors look more feminine if you use a chart.
1: Yeah. No, and this does a great job of highlighting the power of femininity and that, you know, in this or if you don't want to use the word feminine energy, but of this more like softer, flowier side of ourselves. And I think it's going to be increasingly important that leaders learn to adopt this feminine energy if they want to make real change. I mean, we can, we've all had that boss that is just firm and tough and definitely not as enjoyable or motivating to work for as somebody who understands what you're going through. Um, But I think where I am viewing this from is more that in our society, A lot of the time, I mean, things are shifting and we're starting to understand thanks to people like you who are showing men, no, you can tap into your emotions and still be a man and be strong and powerful. And as a woman, right, you can tap into those emotions and be powerful, but a lot of the dialogue has been almost away from that. Like, if you are emotional, you're probably not going to be able to handle the power and stress of being this ambitious, powerful leader. Or, oh, if you, if you get vulnerable, then people aren't going to respect you. And I'm not saying that that's true. This is just the the common dialogue in in the world. And so, what I see happening is a lot of the time, as as women who are trying to come across in this way of being powerful being a leader we tend to lean towards those masculine traits um and and get detached from the more feminine ones where our true power as a leader could actually be found does that does that make sense
0: i feel like it does make sense and i i don't think it's necessary again i i try not to lean into masculine feminine i just go like what type of traits does this person have yeah. And so if you look at that one, um, what kind of people abuse power or, you know, are those like really hardcore jerk bosses? Is it strong people or weak people? Mm. You know, and the stronger the person is, and I don't just mean physically, I just mean like, you know, like their mind, they're their, their balancing themselves. They're strong. I feel confident in who I am. I have seen people who are, it's not always just muscles. It's going to be a mindset. And Mm -hmm. the people who are the strongest of the mindset, they don't have to flex with their name tag. And so this is not a masculine feminine thing. This is more of a security thing. This is more of a know thyself thing. And I've had bosses who are like not the aggressive dude at all and just gets it. Like I'd follow that guy anywhere, but he's not aggressive. He's understanding, you know, and he's more uh, about um, trying to understand where people are and help them be where they are. They can, can be empathetic and be kind. And that guy, I'm like, dude, wherever you're going, I'm going with you, bro. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so this is where if you're trying to compensate in the masculine side, this looks more like overcompensation from somebody who may be displaying weakness, not strength. Right. Does that make sense? Like if you're trying to go like, I'm going to be more aggressive to try to establish dominance, that's because you don't really have it. And you have to put on that mask of aggression, that mask of like, I'm the one who's in control. I'm the powerful one. And it's really just that because if really truly challenged, you're going to see, and this is where excuses come in. You're going to see the denial come in. When people truly try and challenge your authenticity and it's not real, you'll see a negative response. You'll see a defensive action. You're going to see anger. You're going to see deflection. You're going to see, I'm going to give a punishment or consequence. Oh yeah, well, you're going to get a write-up or oh, okay, HR time. You can start seeing this stuff happen because it's not a strong person. You're not leading you're reacting. Because if your weakness is challenged, I will see some form of separation from that person to back off. Mm. There'll be a reaction from it. And this is where blame comes into the game. This is where um, people start spiraling into like their anger identity, because they can't show weakness. Mm -hmm. But they don't understand that vulnerability is courage, not weakness. And they think that showing vulnerability means I have to Take on as many of these masculine traits as possible to be a leader, but is it authentic? Mm. Or are you putting on a mask so you can be perceived as strong when you haven't really done the work to be strong mentally, spiritually, even physically? Are you doing the the do your pull ups? Are you doing the thing to make it so you're strong mm. in all aspects of you, so you are actually a leader who does what they say and not just say do what I say.
1: Right. And so that you're like a fully embodied leader and human as well, instead of just wearing these masks as to what we think that we need to be. I just see this as so common amongst ambitious women, is, you know, that's why I think it's so interesting to have this discussion around being anxious and ambitious, because a lot of the time when we're talking about doing ambitious things, emotions and vulnerability are just not in the conversation.
0: Authenticity is often thrown out the window too it's part of the denial curse. You cannot be authentic because, and then insert whatever reason that you've created. What if they don't follow me? What if I'm not good enough? My comparisons to others don't add up to myself. Why would they measure up to others? All these things, whatever the answer is, I don't know what they, everybody's got a different thing that's in there that I have to protect myself from. Denial is a protection mechanism. You will protect yourself by being something else that curse, a curse becomes really difficult to fight if you don't have the awareness or anybody who tries to pull you out because your identity becomes me trying to protect myself by being something I'm not. Mm. Where does it stop at some point? And if you look at the way denial works, and you look at the combination with distractions and the way that they work, they take something from you in order to give you this sense of pleasure or, you know, distractions for like, this feels good. And this is a happy, positive thing. Uh, and you look into denial, I protect myself from what would feel bad if I was exposed or authentic. Um, if you look at what it takes, it takes time. And your time is how we measure life. So what it's really doing is it takes your life. It takes minutes away from you being who you are. It takes minutes away from you, you know, loving people that you want to love. It takes time and it takes your life. And so denial, living a life of denial and distraction takes your time. And if you're trying to find any pleasure while you're living in this life and you don't want to take your mask off and you don't want to face the reality, because the, the way we describe denial in the warrior's way is it's the war with what is. Mm-hmm. I don't want to face what is. I want to feel good without having to face what's really going on in here. I, I like my business persona. I like being lost, babe. I like that. But you haven't really addressed the parts of you you don't want to face, the inadequacies or the fears or the doubts or the anxiety that you have around your true self. And to mask that, you will start getting into um, distraction aspect of like maybe emotional eating, you mm. know, drinking, you know, prescription drugs or Netflix and just binge watch, social media binging, uh, doom scrolling. You'll start seeing things go that direction. But Mm. what is it they're trying to do is I'm trying to find any kind of pleasure at all. And if they're in that mindset of trying to find pleasure through distractions, that's where addiction comes from. As I don't want to face the reality of the things that hurt me about myself. And so to protect myself, I don't, I live a different life. And to not feel bad about it, I do things to make me feel good. But oftentimes those become your crutches. And even tougher is when people have an actual successful following, you know, successful, like they have a million followers or, you know, millions and millions of views. Mm-hmm. One of the addictions that then starts becoming one that takes over is attention.
2: Mm-hmm. And we're
0: running into like a big me is belief system that's happening. It's all about me. Right. And we start seeing that start to create a whole new set of issues, which will be for another day. Cause that's a long conversation.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Honestly, like this has just been pretty mind blowing for me. I hope that you, as the listeners, are enjoying this conversation as well. We kind of actually got off of track a little bit there, but I'm glad that we did. I, I wanted to have that masculine, feminine um conversation with you because I know you do work with a lot of men and women, and this is a huge part of the dialogue. But I want to take things, I want to sort of switch tracks a little bit because in your book, you talk about how everything is change. And I think for, or sorry, everything is a choice. Sorry, my apologies.
0: Both, Your book, both, both apply. you talk
1: about everything is a choice. And when there's a choice, there's change. That's why I had changed. I've been reading the book. So this is why it's in my head. But what really stood out to me about that is that choices are sometimes really difficult, especially if you're somebody who's anxious, right? With that creativity, we're coming up with, all of these different options that could happen with the choices. And then we just get paralyzed and we take no action. And so how do you feel empowered by this idea that everything is a choice and really learn to believe in your ability to make a choice?
0: Okay. So the that's, that's a, it's a couple of parter there. That's a good question. All right. So first off, you are right. Everything is change, which is, that's the thing I'll get into in a moment that everything is change also, but so, everything is a choice, is not because you control the weather, or not because you control other people's actions, or not because you can choose how other people are going to do things in your life. You do get to choose how you handle it. And that's where the choice comes in. That's where the part for, like, so yeah, stuff has happened, but how are you going to choose to handle what's happened? And that's where people get mixed up is they think they have to have like these defense systems or they have to be aggressive or try and make demands. And this is where you see relationships fall apart too, is people start demanding what other people need to start doing in order to try to control the choices in their life. And it's becoming a false sense of protection that I'm going to just tell everybody how to be because I can deal with my own stuff. That that's actually comes to like one of the things that actually like not very much offends me. You guys can shoot the craziest jokes to me. I'll probably laugh it out. The only thing that actually offends me is offended people. The mm-hmm. reason why is for that exact reason, is offended people haven't dealt with their own stuff, and so they try and dictate what everyone around them is or isn't allowed to do based on the stuff I haven't dealt with in myself. Mm-hmm. People just do stuff. And you don't have to agree with or associate with or be around those people. That's the choice. And if you're doing stuff that that's, goes against my values or my morals or who I am as a person, I'm just not going to associate with you. Well, that's how you handle it. That's a boundary. Mm-hmm. But if you start going, you need to start changing who you are because I can't deal with having to hold a boundary or how I handle it. So you change for what I can't deal with. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's dictator conversation. Just work. You work on you. You choose how you handle it. But if you're trying to dictate how everyone else needs to be based on judgments or shame or guilt or ridicule, and you're going to try and tell everyone else who they need to be because you can't deal, that's, I don't agree with that part. And so that's the part of how do I choose how to handle that? You can choose to walk away or not be in those dynamics. You don't have to try and change everybody else. And so people try and say like, oh yeah, well... You know, I think that if I just choose, I want to be in the NBA. My dad did that one to me one time. He's like, I'll show you. I could beat it. I'm like, okay. Why do you want to be in the NBA? He's like, because I want all the the success and stuff. I'm like, yeah, but why do people want to be in the NBA? What do they love to do to be there? Mm. Like they love playing basketball. That's what they love doing. Do you love playing basketball? Because you can still love playing basketball and not have to be in the NBA. Do what you love, not because of the result. The choice isn't, do I just win? The choice is: Do you do the thing that you love to do? I'm like, it's right there. It's it's not that you. Don't, it's not the victory. It's the behavior. It's the action. It's the steps that you take. It's the journey. And people most of the time only measure off of success and not off of effort, and they find themselves never measuring up. So, why do I believe everything is a ch- is a choice? Um, I also wrote like a little poem thing called "The Moment." I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but the. Basic premise of the moment is that in any anything that you've ever had an an essential change or something where you've decided I'm going to do something very different, I decide right now, like whether it be I'm going to change my eating habits, or I'm going to do this workout, or I'm going to, you know, um, you know, start this podcast or this business, or I'm going to go for something. Mm -hmm. It it wasn't something that took years to, to decide to do. It's often that one moment that I'm. That's what I'm doing now. Or even like when you hold your ground in an abusive dynamic or you're like, I'm leaving and I really am. It may have taken a long time for you to build up, but it's in that moment that you decided that everything changed.
2: Hmm.
0: And that's what we work for, especially in the warrior's way, is I build you to the moment where you can make the choice to go, I'm really going to change it. It may have taken you four months, five months, a year before you go, I'm all in. It's that moment you're all in that everything changes. Right. And so even through my own growing up, I was uh, raised in a very abusive household, highly abusive and a bad area. I grew up in a bad part in Detroit. There's not a safe area. It was, didn't feel safe. And I grew up in a lot of hostility to the point where I was also a hostile person. You have to be to, you know, what I call Sparta. And so whenever I work with people from very difficult backgrounds, I say, you speak Spartan. Well, with that, I was in an altercation, not an altercation, but just a, a situation where I was a hothead because I had been trained to be. And I was in the front seat with my high school girlfriend at the time. And I honestly, I, the argument was so stupid that I really don't remember what it is, but I remember that I was just taught to be such a rage monster that whenever something doesn't go wrong, you hit things. Now don't jump ahead, I didn't hit her, but I got angry and I punched the car window out, just shattered the glass everywhere. And she was in the car, she said, oh my God, I cannot be near some, this is crazy. That's crazy people stuff. So she gets out of the car, she's crying, cause like we're, you know, late teens, and so we're not equipped for this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting out of the car, my own shattered window, in my own car, which was a smart move. And uh, I remember standing there, and if anybody's ever punched through a window, my arm was all bloodied up and everything. I, you know, you punch glass, so I was dumb anyway. So I am sitting there, I got blood pouring down my arm. I am standing in just a just a pile of broken glass all around me right now, and I'm watching her crying and I'm going, this is who I was taught to be. This is the man I was trained to be. This is what I've been around. This is the people I've been around. This is the way I've been treated. This is the man that I was taught to be. And in that moment, I'm like, I'm never being this guy again.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like in that one moment, I'm like, I am never being the guy who goes to this level and treats people this way. She's crying. My own stuff is broken and I'm bleeding all, all over the place. That's who I'm supposed to be? No. In that moment, I denounced all my training. I denounced all the years of generational curses that have been put on me to make me a guy who punches a car window out when things aren't going my way. I'm like, I will never be this guy again. And if I can make that choice in that moment to completely denounce at that point, like 20 years of training, well, anybody can do that. It was in like one rock bottom moment, which people avoid rock bottom at all all costs, but it's probably one of the most powerful moments in your whole life. It's the moment where it all changed. And if that's able to happen, you can have a moment where you're like, I just here until, and then I changed completely. I don't care if it's quit a bad habit. I don't care if it's changed your lifestyle. I don't care what it is. I've had guys who have trained to are 400 pounds and we've had them lose 200 pounds and it was in one moment where they looked in the mirror and they go, I will not be you anymore. And that's the moment it changes. It's the moment. It wasn't the five, 10 years of them putting on the weight. It's the moment they go, no more. I change. I'm not that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's the moment I say I'm not going to react and hurt people anymore. It's the moment. So that's why everything is a choice to me. If I can change myself, 20 years of training in one moment, because I will not be what I've just, I've just shown that I was taught to be, anybody can do that. That's a possibility. That's a thing that can happen.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: So that's why I say everything is a choice. That's why I even decided to write that first book is to even get into like, if it's that moment that we can go, I don't want to do this anymore. I won't be this way anymore. Or I choose from this point on that I am something different than what I've been taught to be. And that can happen as soon as you have the awareness and you have the, the the awareness of your goals or a vision or what you want, which is, a really tough question for people, what do you want? Who am I? What am I supposed to do with this? Those are tough questions, and that's why I train people. We get in, we gotta dig in there. Who are you for real? Whose stuff is this? Is this yours? Like, no, that's my mom when she was really mean to me. I'm like, what about this? No, that's when dad was never proud of me. I'm like, oh wow, what about this over here? That's when my ex would cut me down all the time. I'm like, a lot of this stuff isn't yours. These aren't your belief systems. These are somebody else's judgments of you. Do you want to keep these in here, or can we get rid of these and just have some authenticity in here? Can we get the stuff out of here that dulls your glow? <laughs> can we <laughs> can we make it so you're shining as you again? Yeah. Which gets into another part. For um, you want to you want a cool trick for all your people listening? This is a good trick for you. When I would ask people about change, like do people change, it was make answers. No, I don't think people change. Once a cheater always a cheater, you know, like people don't change. The way they are, they don't change. And then I changed the word. I said, "Do people evolve?" I said, "Yeah, I do believe people can evolve. I do believe that." And it was far more positive answers for evolution than it was for change. The reason why is change is associated to loss. And loss is one of the hardest things we have to deal with. If you get a new job, and the way your new job is that has more opportunity, better pay, better hours, shorter commute, everything is better. Better boss, everything is better. But the way you used to go to work is you came out of your your driveway and you turned left. And now you drive right. You change. There's a change there. Well, the coffee shop I used to go to every day, that's not that way anymore. And the people I used to say hello to in the morning, I don't see them anymore. And you know, the spot that I used to do things before, all those routines that I may have had for years. Well, those are now gone. That's a loss. I have lost that whole routine, that whole system. I invested years into that routine and that's gone. Even if what I have is better, what I'm used to is now gone. Mm-hmm. But that's a big part of it. People like change is really hard, just hard, which is funny because everything is going to change. It's really funny that we're so bad at it. Everything is going to change. Everything over a long enough timeline changes. So it's funny if I go, let's use the word evolve. You have now evolved out of your old position and now you've evolved into something better and you are ready for something better. You have evolved. And for some reason, saying that has made it so that the connection to loss is far less because you feel like progress versus loss. Mm. Simple trick for you guys. I'm I'm not going through change and loss. I'm going through evolution. I've evolved into the next chapter. I've evolved into the next version of me that has leveled up.
2: Mm. it's
0: a really simple thing but everything is going to change and so it's funny we have so much resistance to the inevitable over a long enough time frame everything (laughs) is different it doesn't matter if mountain ranges or weather or oceans everything changes
1: yeah i love that trick of doing evolution instead of change so would you say then the reason that people resist making choices or have such trouble making choices is because of that fear of change fear of loss fear of loss
0: If you make a choice, you don't get the other one. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, if I stay here, then I don't get to go here. If I go there, then I don't get to stay here. If I'm with this person, I can't that person. You know, like, if I this job, I can't take that job. Like, there's a loss associated to the choice. And make no mistake, the people who have the most stress are generally in the middle of choices. You want to talk anxiety? Be right in the middle of a very difficult conversation, difficult choice. To really like this is a very important decision, and don't make one for a while.
2: Mm.
0: You want to see them stress. That's when people are at their highest anxiety. Is when I know I have to make a choice here, but I don't want to do it mm. because like I'm going to lose something or something big changes. And this gets into like the really big stuff, you know, whether it be like being in a, a marriage that's died. Do I stay or go? This is a huge decision. Oh my gosh bank accounts and houses and custody and oh my gosh but if I stay it's the worst. I'm so unhappy here. And this is both sides. You know, if someone's in those moments you're losing either way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when people focus on the loss, they don't focus on possibility or evolution. They focus on what am I gonna lose. So yeah, that's why people get stuck in choice the most is because it's associated to loss. Mm-hmm.
1: I'd say that's a really great understanding that we can use to apply to making choices in the future. How can we learn to see things as, okay, I'm making this choice to evolve instead of to change so that we can focus more on what we're growing and what we're gaining instead of what we're losing. Um, but something else that comes from my to mind for me is in your book, you mentioned how even anxiety or even a panic attack is a choice. And a lot of the time, a lot of us are afraid of the loss of this comfort zone of feeling anxious, of feeling stressed, which sounds counterintuitive because we hate that feeling, but then we don't want to make the choice to get out of it per se.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's tough too. This is why I said um, once it gets to the point of no return, you, you have to just go through it. You know, so the tools and stuff that you're there, it's more about, um, it's more about a, uh, before you have to like, it's preventative before you have to have somebody and intervene. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, before, like before it goes way too far and now you're like, oh, I'm freaking out. And somebody's trying to calm you down. Like you got to try and go like, I can feel it rising. And that's where I would say, use your tools first, use your training before it goes to that point. Okay. You know what I mean? And so like, yeah, if you're in the middle of a panic attack, it means you already missed all of those cues. Like you've already, you missed all those. Your awareness may not have been catching on like, Oh, there's something happening. And um, I'll give you an example. I also had uh, when I was young, um, I was diagnosed with severe asthma, not saying it's the same, but that was the diagnosis. And they said that you will never be an athlete. Your asthma is too bad. You'll never, ever be a football player. You'll never be an athlete. You'll never be weightlifter. You'll never be anything. You won't have any athletic things. Your breathing is too bad. And I was like, well, me being nonconformist, and I think a lot of uh, our ambitious people on this will know, like, so you tell me I can't do it, watch me. So I think Ooh. a lot of you know that feeling. You know that feeling. Yeah. They're like, you're never going to make it. You're like, watch me. Like, <laughs> I'm doing it. And so I was like, oh, okay. So you say I'm never going to be an athlete. So I joined cross country. So I was like, what's the hardest thing I can do? <laughs> <laughs> and so naturally, I was by far the back of the pack at the very beginning. And then I started going through and I would have asthma attack and asthma attack. And when you're doing that, this the fear and the anxiety from not breathing amplifies your asthma attack. And I would freak out, freak out, freak out, freak out. I remember um, the breakthrough with me. I want to say it was like ninth grade. I was running with my coach. His name was Tobin Jones. He's an awesome coach for cross country. And it's just him and I, he's like, let's just go for a run, dude. You're, you're struggling. Let's go. And it was like winter. So we're out running on train tracks with the snow and stuff like that. Again. And um, we we're out there just running and like, I'm struggling It's a cold air. I'm really having a hard time. I'm freaking myself out. I'm <laughs> shallow breaths. I'm, you know, and he's like, hey, cold, calm down. Let's just talk about some stuff real quick. And he'd start talking and then I'd start answering and then he'd start talking and I'm answering, we're still running, but we start talking. And then we start having a conversation. And then before I know it, we've gone like five or six miles and I'm actually breathing okay. And he's like, did you notice that you aren't thinking about that so much? and then you started breathing normal. And I realized then at that point that I actually could control my asthma attacks by calming myself down. I actually don't use an inhaler or anything. I don't use any of that and I haven't had to for years because I realized that when it starts to come on, I can actually calm that down with practice. And I practiced. You have to practice. It's not just you just magically do it. You're gonna to have to be aware catch your triggers. When is it going? What's your point of no return? And I'll do exercises now that take me to that. Like, like I'm hitting it. Like, and you get I can almost feel your anxiety going. Oh no, this is about to have a panic attack. Like, no, like I'm like, Oh, I can feel it. I'm like, okay, calm it down. You're all right. Calm it down. You know? And then I can start working on my own. Like, calm down. You're good. You got it. That was a good push. You did a good job. All right. You know, and like reassuring and calm it down and then I'm okay and I can bring it back down and then I can push it back up to that level again. But you can feel it coming on if you have an awareness or training in this one. And I argue that the anxiety works the same way. I've had to work through that stuff where like, oh my gosh, everything's going to go wrong. It's going to go wrong. I would lean more into like an anger and then panic. (laughs) Yeah. But But when you start going there, you can feel it building. You get hot, you get sweaty, you start getting, you know, you start feeling it, you start body starts moving you start oh man something's happening before it gets to you're panicking which is i at least i haven't seen very commonly where you're like i'm good i'm good i'm panicking i'm freaking out like there's usually a build up
2: Mm -hmm. i would
0: need your opinion because that's my experience but i don't know if yours has a if it's just like i'm good i'm good freaking out like i don't know if yeah
1: i mean i think for everybody it's a little bit different but I think you're right that for everyone there is some sort of ramp up. There's it's never just going to be an all of a sudden full out panic. Maybe it's like a, a a quick ramp up, but I would still say there's definitely signs that that I think most of us would experience. But the problem is is that we're making this choice to be anxious or to continue on anxious unconsciously. Right? We're oftentimes very unconscious through the entire process until the end. And a lot of us who actually do become maybe more conscious of it. For example, thinking back to me when I was having panic attacks, I would tell my doctor, I want something that I can have that if I'm going to have a panic attack, I'm going to feel comfortable that I can make it stop, right? I'm not going to lose control. I'm not going to go full out into a panic attack. But really the only solution that they gave me at the time was medication to help with that. And so I think it's really great that you are helping your clients to develop these skills that they can get into the moment develop that awareness and then make a choice instead of just constantly being in this state of reaction.
0: No, it's a good observation. And you're right. You know, and then I I got a question for you. I want to hear more for you because I know that you also help people with this. When people have that belief that you are anxiety, like Mm -hmm. that's what you do, you know, when they like you, you're a person who has panic attacks Mm -hmm. and those belief systems are in there um, you said you have worked your way way off of medication, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you don't do that anymore. Um, what has been your highest success when it comes to like rewiring those beliefs that you are not anxiety or you are not, you know, a panic attack? Like, have you, have you worked through those parts or have you found a different solution?
1: Yeah, I I did work through those parts. And for me, a lot of it was, I really thought that I was that voice in my head that was telling me all these anxious thoughts and ramping up the anxiety. I thought that I was these bodily responses. I am, you know, I would say to myself, I am highly sensitive. I'm anxious. I have all these things going on. I have anxiety, right? So of course, this is what my reaction is going to be. But at a certain point, actually, the quote that turned it around for me was from Eckhart Tolle, who said, if I can't live with myself, then there must be a difference between me and myself. And that was really the moment for me where I was like, I can't live with myself. I can't keep going on living like this. This is exhausting and brutal. And once I realized, huh, maybe this person that I can't live with this anxiety, this anxious person that I thought was me, isn't actually me.
0: I very much agree with you. That's not you. If you can't stand you, who are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's you're right. Yeah. And uh, you can't just stop the identity, though. You can't just turn it off. You got to go through the beliefs of it. Is mm-hmm. this really me or is this a different piece of me? Is this something else that I've created that I'm also like not okay with? Like You have to go through all those challenging steps to go, like, is this authentic or not, before you can go, this is conflicting beliefs. I'm either something I don't like or I'm something I, you know, feel confident and okay with. Mm -hmm. You know, what morals, what values, what stuff do you stand as? And you're going to start seeing that conflict of one of these is not me. Yeah. And like you said, I got to get rid of the part that's not me. One of these isn't me. And if I can't stand being with me, which part of me is that? Because that's not me. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So good job being able to recognize that, but being able to change your identity around those things that I am not anxiety
1: hmm. Thank you. Yeah. That's and fun. I mean, I think this this conversation really just highlights the importance of or the power of, like you said, that rock bottom moment, because when are we really examining ourselves and coming into that moment until we're at the point where it's like, I can't do this anymore. This is it, you know?
0: <laughs> awesome. You're yeah, absolutely well, right. That's awesome. <laughs> Good job.
1: Thanks. Well, thank you. I mean, this has been amazing. I feel like there's been so many great takeaways and I'm excited to hear what you listeners have thought of this conversation. Please reach out to us and let us know. Um, Rick, just to wrap things up here, is there like one piece of advice that you'd like to share with our listeners with the anxious and ambitious woman in mind?
0: Oh gosh. If I, you guys heard me talk now, there's like an entire encyclopedia in here. Um, (laughs) I think I think that I'm just going to stick to the, the, the basics on this one. I'm not going to complicate this. Simplicity is genius. Try and focus as hard as you can on being able to find your authenticity. Challenge the, the protection systems that you have to see if it's really you. And it sounds so simple, but it's not that easy. And that's why, um, you know, I do work with my people. That's why I have my warriors at the Warriors Way mindset. This is why I work with people to go. We need to challenge. Is that authentic to you or not? Is your warrior type really you or are you still in a damsel mode? You know, you may be strong in one field and weak in another. That doesn't mean that you're not correct. Are you being authentic to you is really where I would say like, it's not a meme. It's not a post. It's not somebody, you know, told you a nice thing. It's like, it's a real challenge to dig in there to go. Is it me or is this belief system come from somebody else? Is Mm -hmm. the noise in my head that says I'm not good enough? I'm not like them. I don't deserve something. You know, I don't, I can't be weak. I have to be mean. Whose noise is that? And is it authentic? And that's why I would probably leave people like challenge your authenticity for real. And if you want help, call me. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll ask you hard questions. I'll go in there. (laughs) I'll come with you.
1: I love it. And that actually kind of adds to our alliteration. So I love it even more going from anxious and ambitious to being truly authentic and like aligning with that authenticity. Oh, so good. Well, I am going to put all of your connection links in the episode description. Um, Rick, but where is the best place that listeners could connect with you?
0: Um, the best place we have uh the way mindset.com. Um, we also have different stuff. Our TikTok is is done well. Everything is under um Warriors Way Mindset. Um, so you can find us there. And uh, if you really can't find it, and this is gonna be probably where I, I drive my my team crazy, um you can always just email us at uh, my email is actually rick at com. I do have a team that works in there with me and I hate that I did that if this really happens, but if -hmm. you really need a, like, I want to book an appointment or I can't get on the website and I want to be able to book a call, I'll get you the links or anything you need to jump on our schedule and be able to have the conversations to see is what we do, something that's really, truly authentic to you. If it's a match, let's go to battle together. And if it's not, which so far I haven't had anybody go like, I don't want this. (laughs) So, but if it's not, it's no harm, no foul, no big deal. Um, We just get to learn each other, have a cool thing. I'll leave a tip or something with you to get on your journey, but together we're stronger. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the whole basis of the Warriors way is together. We are stronger. It's not about who's the best or who's the baddest or the most successful because the toughest one in the room is all of us together. And so that's what we do is we, We train together, we go into battle together, and we support each other through the hardest things that we ever have to go through. And that's where we get into those parts, like what support system do you have? And we're around people who believe in you and will fight next to you and show up. Your confidence will be very different, especially when it comes in the face of anxiety and what could go wrong. I know I've got one of those four things, which is problem solving, resourcefulness, creative thinking, and support. That support section being covered by healthy people. Mm makes you feel like you can take on the world. Yeah. And some of us are.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Oh, and that support cannot be underrated. I think we always try to go about things alone and we think we have all the tools ourselves, but even the greatest people in the world, everybody needs support. So yeah, thanks for for providing that support and really in such an authentic, I think what you're doing is so much different than what I'm seeing in the space. So really thanks Rick. And thanks for this great conversation. Thank you to the listeners for listening. I really hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Please leave a review. If you've enjoyed listening to the show, don't forget to subscribe and reach out to us. We'd love to hear what you thought about this episode. It really means the world. And we'll see you next Wednesday for another episode of the anxious and ambitious podcast.